welcome to the Blue Roads Changemaker podcast. You'll enjoy conversations with amazing changemakers, solutionaries, and social innovators who have all taken the path from local citizen to global changemaker. They do so by working to change the system that creates the world's most challenging issues. We structure these interviews around the Blue Roads slogan, homegrown solutions for a patchwork world, and ask participants to tell us about their origins, their work to address issues in their communities, how they've engaged with others different from themselves, and how they've used these experiences to make the leap to changemakers addressing the UN Sustainable Development Goals. As their host, I try hard to take myself out of the conversation as much as possible, that is, after introducing participants, so you won't notice the typical back and forth of the interview process. I hope this will be helpful to you to hear the stories as a complete narrative that addresses all four quadrants of the Blue Roads Changemaker journey, homegrown solutions for a patchwork world. Welcome once again to Penny Franklin. Today, Penny continues sharing her Changemaker story. In this, our final episode featuring Penny Franklin's work, you will hear how other communities have begun to show interest in the work she was so instrumental in starting here in Montgomery County, Virginia. Listen in as she explains the powerful ripple effects of this work. Again, I, I am always just kind of, I'm kind of dumbfounded about how the change happens and how people get engaged with it and that the, that for the biggest part, it just flows. It just, mm-hmm. like you said, that ripple, it's, mm-hmm. it's, there, it's not a big, big waves and storms and white caps and stuff. It just ripples out because mm-hmm. people understand this is good stuff mm-hmm. and I'm getting to know people that I normally wouldn't know. And I'm getting to know things about myself, even in the black community, folks understanding because there's some people who just believe white people know what they're doing. They are just bad. They're doing this stuff on purpose. And I'm trying to help them understand. No, they don't. Mm-hmm. They really don't. So it's twofold. Right. And, and, Black people in this community being able to start to have a voice mm-hmm. because there were people who I'd known and worked with and they did not feel they had a voice. Mm-hmm. Now they have a voice and they will mm-hmm. talk about how being engaged with the community group and with the dialogue on race has given them the uh, space mm-hmm. and the uh, outlet to be able to share, you know, how it feels for them to be here in Montgomery County. Having folks from uh, Roanoke, Franklin County, North Carolina, and other places throughout Southwest Virginia and beyond, look at what we're doing and mm-hmm. see, how does that work? How does, how does that happen? How do you engage the uh, local governing bodies and how do you keep bringing in all these people and having these conversations um and it's because of those calm ripples and Mm -hmm. people 
speaking to other people and understanding we're not here to beat up on people. We're not here right. to call people out. Even though I don't have a problem doing that. Um, yeah. We're here to make a change. Right. And there's enough battling going on already. Mm-hmm. So those those nice ripples that mm-hmm. are that go even further. We had a gentleman come from Fredericksburg two years ago because he went online and he was just looking for, you know, work around the dialogue about race and saw this and came down from Fredericksburg to see what we were doing. Um, the Episcopal church in Roanoke, uh, having Dr. Reed and I come down to talk to them about the work that we're doing and being very, very intentional mm-hmm. and helping folks understand, no, the conversation right now is about the African-American community because that's what we're talking about, because that's who we are. Mm-hmm. Not being apologetic for that. Right. Acknowledging there's a lot more work to be done overall. But mm-hmm. at the same time, this is this is what we're talking about. And not letting that be diluted, I think is very powerful for African Americans to hear and see mm-hmm. that because everyone wants to know. How come we're not talking about other groups? Mm -hmm. How come we're not talking about other areas? It's like, because we live here in Montgomery County and we are an African-American group and our focus is the African-American community. You know, Mm -hmm. at some point we would, well, the whole idea has always been if other um, races of people or other groups of people want to understand how we, how we've done this, we love to have those conversations to keep those ripples going. Mm-hmm. But I believe it is very, very important that it happen among those groups mm-hmm. and that there is a group of people who are committed to their issues mm-hmm. and not letting them be, um, for use of a better word, diluted mm-hmm. to uh, so many other facets that Mm-hmm. The thing that brought you to the table, right? You can't see it anymore, right? Yeah. So I believe that's very important. Um, yeah. That it's like that whole um, thing about being colorblind. Mm-hmm. I don't want you to be colorblind. I right. want you to see me. I want you to see brown people. Right. I want you to see LGBTQ people. I want mm-hmm. you to see everybody for who they are right. and respect them for who they are and understand more. Yeah, uh, I had the privilege of being a part of a fellowship with the Kellogg Foundation on racial equity and mm-hmm. healing um, and was in a national cohort of 25 people from all across this country, from Hawaii mm-hmm. to D.C. Mm-hmm. And it was some wonderful things that I learned about our Native people mm-hmm. and the horrible things that are happening mm-hmm. there that are some things that keep me awake at night, but it gives me peace to know that there are people out there who are working to make that situation better, who are raising the concerns about that population and the the Latino population and understanding all the many facets of that and that there are people out there working to do the same thing that I'm working to do with the African-American community, Uh, women, 
uh, working on issues and pushing forward with issues affecting women. Mm-hmm. Um, and then when we get to my labor work, um, right. I sit on the executive council for my international. I am the only woman. Um, we have a person that's a, a director, a woman that's a director, but she's not a voting member, wasn't elected. And that's a council of seven. So being in a position at a national level where I'm helping to make decisions about how we better represent our memberships, how we make sure that we as a labor union are being inclusive and listening to those voices from other perspectives. Can't wait to retire. This must my big thing and then mm-hmm. do this work full time mm-hmm. um, because those ripples, unless there's something that starts that ripple, exactly everything just stays just like mm-hmm. it is. Mm-hmm. Everything looks nice and glossy, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Until something disturbs something. Mm-hmm. So it's uh, it has been, it is such a blessing to be able to do this work and see how it improves and affects other people to do the work or just have an opportunity. So on my marker, when I leave here, um, you know, they say you have that, the beginning and the end date is that dash. Mm -hmm. I just want that dash to represent she helps somebody. That's all I want is she helps somebody. That's it for me. There's a piece uh, to this whole story and how someday I hope that we will have to, we can stop, um, as, as people call the fight, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but it won't happen unless we continue to be vigilant. And I remember seeing an interview, um, a young lady being interviewed about work around social justice uh, and equality within the African-American community and how things are going backwards. And she made the comment, she said, in my generation, you know, our parents were able to get, to have uh, better jobs, better education, uh, more money, more stuff, right? So they gave it to us, but they didn't teach us how to fight. they didn't help us understand what it has taken for them to be able to have those opportunities for us to be able to have opportunities. So a lot of our young people believe that this is the norm. We, this is just the way life is and we're entitled to. I believe the Black Lives Matter movement helped shake some things up to help mm-hmm. folks understand, no. There's so much stuff going on around you. And just because your life is a little comfortable, um, you cannot sit and not make sure that everybody else around you is having access to the same things. So we have to make sure we're going to, we're educating our children as African-Americans, that we're telling our stories. And that's something that dawned on me a few years ago, because I, just really like to say behind the scenes, do what I'm supposed to do and then come home. 
and telling my story is like, what story? I do what everybody else does. I go to work. I put on my clothes just like everybody else does. I have to clean the house sometimes, like just like everybody else does, right? <laughs> but then I started, you know, God said, it's time. You mm-hmm. need to start telling your story when people ask you to tell your story. And part of that story is going back to my children, going back to my mother and my grandmother, understanding that how they stood up and how they made sure things were better, teaching my children that. And now that I have grandchildren, teaching them why they have to be vigilant, why they have to speak up, why they have to say, who said so, right? Mm -hmm. Um, And not apologizing for who they are. That is something we have got to make sure that we are doing, that we are educating our children about our history, how white folks helped us, how as our country's demographics are changing so wonderfully and so beautifully, but it has created a lot of fear. And that fear is leading to trying to push things back, that they have to be vigilant. And they have to make sure that they are speaking truth to power, questioning, educating themselves, and sitting at the tables where discussions are happening, not to be comfortable. Do not get comfortable with what you have because it can be taken away so easily. And unfortunately, just the color of your skin no matter how much education you have, no matter how much wealth you have, to many, many people in this country, you are still seen as lesser than and are not entitled to. And we have to make sure our children understand you you are. And if you don't want to lose that, if you want to keep making things better for your children, Mm -hmm. then you have to be vigilant. And you have to speak up when things are wrong. You have to stand. So as my older grandchildren, one's about to turn 13, um, another just turned 12, and even the seven and the five-year-old. When they're at Grandma Penny's house, they understand we watch the news. Mm -hmm. We have conversations about Donald Trump. We have Mm -hmm. conversations about unions. Mm -hmm. We have conversations about what it used to be like for Grandma Paige, right? Mm -hmm. So that they understand. When I received the uh, Strong Men and Women's Award um, from the Virginia History, whatever it was about, right? Mm -hmm. Um, Having my grandchildren, having four of my grandchildren there to be a part of that, the, the younger ones, it's going to hit them one day, right? Mm-hmm. But the the older, my grandson is uh, almost thirteen. He understands, you know, some mm-hmm. of this stuff now. And question is, Grandma going to be making a speech? These are the things that we have to do. We have to make sure our children understand we are there for them. We need to stop worrying about what house we have, what car we're driving. Um, my daughter gave me a bumper sticker. Um, 
many years ago, she had gone on a field trip in school, high school. And it says, it won't matter what house you live in. It won't matter what job you have. It won't matter what car you drive. What will matter is how you raised your kids. We need to make sure we're helping them understand you matter and you have to play a part in moving our people and our country forward. Parents Mm -hmm. uh, and grandparents don't sugarcoat things. Help them understand you're the next generation and it will be left up to you not to let down our ancestors who came in in chains and survived and pushed forward, you will be letting them down if you don't make sure you're playing your part. Thank you so much, Penny Franklin, for spending your valuable time sharing your Changemaker story with us. You are a model of change leadership the kind of leadership that creates homegrown solutions for a patchwork world. If you missed the previous three episodes of my conversation with Penny Franklin, you will want to look back for parts one, two, and three so that you're able to hear the entirety of Penny's homegrown solutions for a patchwork world. Her changemaker journey is an inspiration that can serve as a guide to others who are willing to step out, to recognize injustices in their own communities, and take the time build the relationships, and persevere to create real and lasting change for your communities and your world. Thank you for tuning in to the Blue Roads Changemaker podcast. We hope you will follow our work and learn more about how you can get involved and start your own Changemaker journey. Contact us at www.blueroadseducation.org.